you knew if you could keep them in a ball game that you had a good chance to win. And, and I've never had that before at any level. Matter of fact, that was my first championship I'd ever won. <laughs> but what a great deal. You know, what, what a great bunch of guys. Welcome to episode 195 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. It was quite the scene in Toronto over this past weekend as the Blue Jays marked the 30th anniversary of their 1992 World Series championship. Canadian baseball fans were able to relive those memories with players like Devon White, Dave Winfield, Todd Stottlemyre, and many others in attendance, plus a special reenactment of Mike Timlin and Joe Carter's final out in Game 6. Now, believe it or not, this week also marks the 40th anniversary of the Medicine Hat Blue Jays winning their first Pioneer League title. With future World Series champions David Wells, Pat Borders, and Jimmy Key on the opening day roster, the Baby Jays started 1982 on fire, going 10-1, and only to fall back into a back-and-forth, nail-biting pennant chase with the Great Falls Giants, losing Key to a promotion midway through the year, and not actually clinching the North Division title until the final day of the regular season. They then had to endure a tough best-of-five championship series against Jose Canseco and the Idaho Falls A's, winning it in four games. And as it turns out, it would be the only Pioneer League title for Medicine Hat. We have a brand new retrospective story up on our website to mark the occasion, so head to albertadugoutstories.com. For the podcast this week, we connected with a pair of key contributors to that team. First up is Keith Gillum, an 18th round pick of the Blue Jays in the 1982 MLB June draft. He became the ace by going 10-2 with a 3.50 ERA in 14 games. Gillum also got the ball for the series clincher against the A's, going the distance, allowing just one run on six hits with two walks and seven strikeouts as the Blue Jays won 6-1. Keith, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. Take us back to 1982. You're drafted in the 18th round by the Toronto Blue Jays. And obviously the draft back then is a little different than it is now. You have the internet and all that kind of thing. You didn't have that then. Do you remember where you were when you got that call, what you were doing and what your reaction was to getting that call? Uh, I had gotten drafted the year before by the St. Louis Cardinals. And I went back to school to Austin P to uh, get my degree. And, uh, I had an awful year. We were terrible as a team. And uh, to be honest with you, I really didn't think. I said, I've, I've blown it. I'm not going to get drafted. Uh, and uh, But I was working at my dad's place. He worked at Beverage Air in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And that was my summer job. And uh, I was building pallets. And uh, like, say, like you said, we didn't know when the draft was or whatever. So one day my dad came back one morning and he said, Hey, uh, Bob Wilbur from the Toronto blue Jays wants to talk to you. Well, I dropped my tool belt and, and started walking. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I said, uh, I don't care what they offer me or whatever. I'm going to play baseball. And, uh, I was fortunate enough that Bob looked, came to Clarksville and, uh, he drafted me 18th round, and, and uh, he asked me, he said, would, would I be interested? And I said, sure will, and, and I signed, and next thing I know, I'm going to Medicine Hat. <laughs> so will they tell you that you're going to Medicine Hat? That's where your pro journey is going to start. 
did you have to get out a map to figure out where you were going? Because I can't assume that you were uh, very familiar with the territory at all. Yeah, I, I did. I got out a map and I said, you know, like I told you before, I've never been out of Spartanburg. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, this is going to be an adventure. And uh, but uh, I was I was looking forward to it. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I was thankful to have the opportunity to get drafted and uh, I was going to give it my best shot. So, uh, but I, I was fortunate. You get here. What was your first impression of the community? Uh, you know, the people were real nice. Uh, I can't remember the name of the motel we all stayed in. Uh, but the lady there that ran it was real nice, real, you know, receptive to all of us. And, uh, you know, we had a couple, uh, practices before the season started and, uh, I don't know. I enjoyed every bit of it. I, I, I really did. And, uh, some of those guys got homesick, but, uh, you know, I'd been at college for four years, so I was kind of used to it, but, uh. I, I really look forward to it. Mm-hmm. The season goes on. It's pretty clear that you have a good team. Did you know fairly early on that you had a championship caliber team, or was that something that kind of hit home maybe midway through the season, or was there any kind of quote-unquote uh, ESPN turning point? You know, at first we had Jimmy Key, you know, as a starter there. Then he got moved up to uh, A-ball. And, you know, pitching, you know, you got to have pitching to win it. But as far as as our hitting and stuff, like I told you, it was one of the best teams I've ever been around. And uh, we all got gelling pretty well. And, and it was me, David Wells, and and, and uh, Dan Gordon was our reliever. And everything just seemed to come together. And, and we played well together. And uh, and about mid-season, you know, we was right in the middle of it. And uh, we said, hey, we might as well go ahead and win it since we've been up here all summer. But uh, – but, uh, but what I could say, what a great team and a great group of guys. It was, a, it was a real fun. You mentioned some of those names that I was going to uh, to rely on here because you were the workhorse of that group. What did it mean to you um, to be called upon in some of those bigger moments through the course of the season? Uh, you know, I've never shied away from, from you know, wanting the ball. I always wanted the ball. And, uh, you know, me being from Austin P and some of these guys from, you know, Arizona State and whatever, you know, is a, is a little bit of a shock at first when the season started. But once the season started and, hey, baseball is baseball. And uh, and then once I could realize I could get these guys out, then uh, everything else just kind of took care of itself. And, and, and like I say, what a great group of guys. And, and you knew if you could keep them in a ball game, that you had a good chance of winning. And, and I'd never had that before at any level. And uh, matter of fact, that was my first championship I'd ever won. <laughs> but but what a great deal. You know, what, what a great bunch of guys. You got the start in that championship game and put on a clinic. It was a complete game, six hitter, uh, one run allowed, seven strikeouts, like the perfect game, so to speak, and a 6-1 win against a team that featured Jose Canseco. When you look back on it, do you kind of pinch yourself a little bit about all that you accomplished during that season and then to wrap it all up in a win like that? You know, it, like I say, it was, uh, it was a great win, and, and I, like I say, I'd never been a part of a championship team. And uh, I remember uh, I give up a run, and I remember Dwayne come out to the mound. He said, hey, he said, don't worry about it. We had to score one to win anyway, you know. So uh, that kind of settled me down, and I kind of got into it. And I had Dave Stenhouse was a catcher at that time. 
and uh, he kind of knew how to, you know, call a ball game. And uh, I do remember this once the last out was recorded. Uh, Dave come out to uh, pick me up on the mound, and I jumped up, and I think I need him in the mouth and bloody <laughs> his lip. <laughs> and and uh, I remember apologizing to him. I said, "Heck, man, I, I've never done this before. Sorry about that." <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, at that championship game, man, the place was packed. The people up there at Medicine Hat supported us every ball game, and uh, being that far away from home and having those those fans at, at every ball game like that was uh, was really special, and, and I appreciated every bit of it. Before the game, it was reported that you had told, uh, I believe it was Mark Gerard, that you guys were going home the next day. Now, was that a tongue-in-cheek kind of comment, or was that something where you actually had that much confidence that you guys were going to walk away with the championship that night? I, I thought we was all, you know, everybody was confident, and uh, they, you know, they kind of just said, hey, if you can keep us in the ball game, we're going home the next day. And I said, well, I'll do everything I can do, you know. And, uh, God, those guys, I like to say, you had Pat Borders, Chris Johnson at first base. God, what a hitter he was. Mm -hmm. And Cash Beecham. And, uh, but what a great crew. And, and plus, you know, me, my, myself, Cash Beecham, and David Wells lived in the same hotel room together. So, you know, I don't know if we could all take too much more of that. <laughs> you know, we were, we were ready to go home. But uh, I do know that night we went to – not the same motel we lived in is another one and we didn't go to sleep the rest of the night and boy i tell you we probably didn't smell that well on the plane going home <laughs> that next day so <laughs> but what but like i say man those guys uh oh man it was friendships that you make you know through baseball that that uh it, it, they're everlasting and and i appreciate every bit of it appreciate bob welber for uh for drafting me and uh give me a chance to play that game. And, and, uh, and like I say, I, I got hurt my, in 84, I hurt my shoulder. And, uh, that was a year after I went to big league camp and, you know, I might've had a shot at it, uh, if I hadn't hurt my arm, but you know, it happened and, but I wouldn't take a million dollars for any of my experiences. And especially, and like I say, medicine hat was great. I, I tell you that that bunch was awesome. Mm -hmm. One of the things I remember Lloyd Mosby when he was inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, I asked him about his memories of Medicine Hat because he started there in '78, and he mentioned oh, okay. uh, he was taken by surprise by he was sitting in that same hotel. Uh, when the, the medicine hat stampede came around and the parade came in, there were horses right. and cows and he was just, it was <laughs> a total culture shock for a kid from Oakland. Yeah. Any favorite memories off the field? Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you mentioned some of the fun post game, but anything that really yeah. sticks out to you from, from that perspective? Uh, you know, I remember the first night, you know, the motel is right next to a railroad yard mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, during the night, you know, some of the trains would bang together and, you know, wake you up a little bit. But uh, I remember uh, one night we got on the roof of the hotel, every, every one of us did, and just had our own little party. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we had a good time. And, and uh, But uh, I remember the next day, uh, and Cash Beach, I'm going to tell you this, we was going on a road trip, and he, me, him, and David Wells overslept. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I'm fixing to get sent home. And uh, 
so we were like 30 minutes late. We thought the bus had already left. And uh, so we got the lady at the motel there to give us a ride to the ballpark. And when we got there, the our bus was the only thing in the parking lot. And uh, so we threw our luggage up under the bus, and I was the first one to get on. And uh, Dwayne was sitting in the front seat. And uh, soon I walked on, he said, that'd be $50 to get them. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, sir. And uh, I think we had like a 13-hour trip down to either Butte or somewhere. And we, us three, had to sit right back in the back next to the bathroom in the hot But You know, it was an awful drive. But, but, uh, but yeah, like I say, we had fun. And, and uh, oh, man, what a, what a – I tell my wife about it all the time. And, and you know, we was making a whopping $600 a month. And uh, – I would have took nothing for it. <laughs> Needless to say, you probably weren't late for very many bus trips after that, though, if you're making 600 a month. <laughs> no, I was not. <laughs> no, no, we knew how to control ourselves after that. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, I tell you, I, like I say, I had a good time. And, and like I say, the people at Medicine Hat, you know, you couldn't ask for better people there. And uh, and they supported us. And, uh, but, you know, what a great place to start and having that support, you know, being that far away from home. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't ask for any more. Wonderful to hear. Do you still keep up with uh, many of the guys from that team? You know, uh, Cash, I see him and, and Pat. And uh, Pat, I, you know, I message sometimes on Facebook. But uh, other than that, uh, no, I don't really. You know, Chris Johnson, uh, you know, Ron Chapman, you remember him? He mm-hmm. played second. And some of those guys, I, I, I really don't, you know, and I wish I could. God love to see all of them again. What a reunion that would be. I can only you know? imagine the shenanigans. <laughs> no, it was, uh, you know, it's just like a, it's pretty much like a dorm room, what mm-hmm. it ended up being like, you know, all those guys in one room or, you know, in one motel. But, uh, but like I say, right, like those people that I can't remember the lady at the hotel, but she treated us like kings and, uh, and like I said, I couldn't ask for any better. Mm-hmm. It, just, it was great. Looking back on it, did you take away any life lessons from that experience? Uh, you know, I, I did. Uh, you know, Dwayne treated us all like professionals and and gave us responsibilities. And uh, he didn't weigh from that. He expected that of you. And, uh, and I... You know, I always thank him for that. You know, once I got, you know, I see him in spring training every now and then, you know, once I got on further. But, you know, it was it was having that responsibility. You was getting paid. You were a professional. And uh, it was it was just time to step up and be a man. And and, I'm, and Dwayne was was a great guy that, that led all of us to, to being that way. And I think that's why we, were, we won the championship because, he never wavered from his standards, and and we didn't either. So that was uh, I can thank Dwayne for that. And uh, and you know, like I say, being a, a guy from Austin Peay State University, and uh, not having much of a you know, I didn't being from a small town, and and given that opportunity, you know, if you set your mind to something, you can always do something. And and I learned that, and uh, it helped me on down the road. And uh, and like I say, I. I, I talked to Bob Wilbur all the time. He was the guy that drafted me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always thank him for giving me that opportunity, you know. And uh, 
a lot of guys don't appreciate that, but, but I did. And, and I still do to this day. Mm-hmm. Fantastic stuff. Uh, just for a little bit of a life update, I suppose, uh, give us a lowdown on what you're up to nowadays. Uh, well, I retired in December. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. I had, uh, I had a degree coming out of college to teach and coach, and I really didn't want to really didn't want to get into that. And, uh, Ended up working at a transformer company here in Dyersburg, Tennessee, which uh, that's where my wife's from. And uh, I worked there for 32 years. I was a, a, a lead person over these over quality control. And uh, I worked there for 32 years. And uh, now my passion is golf and uh, got into it pretty heavy. But I got four grandkids now and had to, I got two kids, my, my daughter and my, my son. And uh, things couldn't have been any better, you know. And uh, my 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 son jokes with me all the time. He'll see my baseball card on eBay or something, and he'll say, "Well, your retirement's getting better. It's worth three dollars now, or something <laughs> like that." So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I wouldn't take nothing for anything. And like I say, I've had a good life, and I'm 62 now and retired and playing golf when I want to. So. Couldn't yeah, ask for anything every, better. No, everything's good. Got my health. So, you know, you couldn't ask for any more, you know. I don't know if I could throw a pitch right now. but <laughs> <laughs> Well, you did that but, and, uh, and so much more during a, a wonderful career and especially the time you spent here in, in Medicine Hat, Keith. Really appreciate you taking the time to share some of your memories of, of your time here. Thank you so much for all that you did and uh, wish you all the best going forward. Oh, no problem. Anytime you want to call me, be fine with me. Another key member of the 1982 Baby Jays was Cash Beecham. The first overall pick in the 1982 MLB January draft became a Pioneer League All-Star, hitting 318 with three homers, 40 RBI, and 12 stolen bases, thriving under manager Dwayne Larson's ideal of aggressive baseball featuring hit and runs, bunts, and double steals. He went two for five with a pair of ribbies in that final game. Cash, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Hey, my pleasure, Joe. It's uh, it's always great to uh, reconnect with my roots. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's go back to your roots here. Take us back 40 years ago, January 1982. You're the first overall pick of the Toronto Blue Jays in the January draft. Now, you're originally from Oklahoma, so what were your thoughts of heading to this relatively new baseball team north of the 49th parallel? Well... You know, I was really, really uh, uh, excited. Honestly, you know, to be the first overall pick of a draft is uh, is beyond was beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, you know, this happened really fast for me. I was a uh, I was a good high school baseball player. I had a really good year. Uh, I went to a very small high school in a small town uh, in Oklahoma, a little town called Grove. And uh, I didn't get recruited very heavily out of high school. And uh, I'm telling you, this happened really fast. I went to this tiny junior college in Muskogee, Oklahoma, called Fake Home College. And, uh, you know, I to, to, to tell you the truth, the first five games, inter-squad games that I played in junior college, I got it handed to me pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it was a huge jump uh, in talent. And uh, I had to make some adjustments fast. Uh, and what I did was I went into this old gym and set up an old jug machine. I was having trouble with velocity. 
and I was having trouble with the braking stuff, so I set the machine on about a 92-mile-an-hour slider, and I said, well, I'm going to try to kill two birds with one stone here, and it worked. And uh, after about five days uh, of doing that, it kind of slowed the game down for me, and I just went on a tear. Uh, and I went from almost obscurity to being a first-round pick in literally probably six weeks. And uh, it, it happened really fast. And, you know, uh, I, 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 it, the honor is, is, is honestly, I couldn't, it, it, was, it was just the honor of being drafted first overall. And I always say this, you know, the Blue Jays could have had Kirby Puckett. <laughs> and, and who's in the Hall of Fame right now. And I always say this when I do a speaking engagement that, you know, I might be the only guy responsible for getting a whole scouting staff fired when they took me ahead of Kirby Bucket. <laughs> but <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, you, you know, my minor league career, and that's all it was. It was a long minor league career, but I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know. Uh, People ask me all the time, you, you know, you're a first overall pick and never played a day in the big leagues. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that, uh, b- mostly uh, injury mm-hmm. and a little bit of immaturity. Uh, you, you know, being the first overall pick, I felt like at 19 years old, and I did pretty good in Medicine Hat, for sure. Uh, had a great year in Medicine Hat, made the all-star team, did really well. Uh, uh, we won a championship that year and with some great teammates and great players, you know, that went on and, and did some things with Toronto. And uh, But uh, some of those guys still very close friends of mine. But, you know, I felt like moving on after that year that I felt like I had to be the best player in the league every year because I was the first overall pick. And that was a that, you know, I put too much pressure on myself early in my career and I had to grow up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and understand that I don't have to lead the league in hitting every year just because I was the first overall pick. And and so when I when I kind of came to grips with that, I became a much better ball player. Now it's a bit later on in the process, but you're then informed the first stop, as you mentioned, Medicine Hat, Alberta. Did you have to get out a roadmap to figure out where you were going? The old Rand McNally map that used to get us around, you know. And I said, man, this place is up there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I was very excited. I was very excited because I honestly had never traveled west in my life, and I, I was going to get to see the mountains, which I never really... You know, we live in the foothills of the Ozark Mountains, so it's not flat like everybody thinks Oklahoma is where I'm from. But um, I was excited about getting to see the Rocky Mountains for the first time in my life, and it, 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 was, it was incredible. Uh, you know, the trip... Uh, from Medicine Hat to Idaho Falls, the Medicine Hat to Helena. I mean, just some of the most gorgeous scenery I've ever seen in my life. And I'm looking forward to seeing that stuff again. Mm-hmm. Now, you arrive in town. Do you remember your first impressions? Uh, yeah, very similar to where I grew up. <laughs> you know, uh, a, a lot of farms, a lot of ranches, uh, a cowboy culture. Uh, the Silver Buffalo Inn was the hotel we stayed in, and uh, it had a cowboy motif, so I kind of felt at home, you know. It, <laughs> it's, uh, it, was, it, it was, you know, Medicine Hat's kind of out in the plains, and I said, well, this is a lot closer to Oklahoma 
than it is uh, the Rocky Mountains, you know? Mm-hmm. And we got into that, playing in Butte and Helena and places like that. But, uh, you know, Medicine House is very similar to the town I grew up in. Very cool. Now, the season goes on. Did you know right away that you had a talented team with you, or was that something that kind of came along as the games progressed? No, I knew we were good. I knew we were good. Uh, I, I felt like, uh, you know, we had, we started the season with, with Jimmy Key and David Wells, you know, in the starting rotation. And then we had Pat Borders at third base and, and – you know, uh, some of the guys that didn't go very far in their career, uh, y- you know, just guys that, that really had good years. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a guy on that team that I didn't look at like couldn't have made the all-star team that year, really, uh, as far as the position players. And then we had some really good pitchers. Dan Gordon was a good closer for us. Keith Gilliam was as good as anybody. Uh, and probably the best pitcher in the league that year and he was our number one starter i believe and uh you know it was just uh a team that i felt like and and the one thing that we had also is unbelievable team chemistry we did everything together Mm -hmm. and you know uh one of my best friends in my life uh, which started in medicine had is pat borders and uh you know pat uh, when he got to the big leagues, he goes, why don't you come up to New York City and, and see me for a series? And, and so I got on a plane and flew up there and, and you know, stayed in his room and stuff. And, you know, it was different uh, in the big leagues when he was there. We went to the restaurant to eat. There's five different players sitting at five different tables. You know, that, <laughs> mm-hmm. that would have never happened in Madison Ave. We did everything together. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a, a very unique Nobody really knew what pro ball was all about. I kind of had a head, you know, a heads up because my father being in the game and growing up in the game. But I'm telling you, man, we, we were as close as any team I've ever played, probably the closest team I ever played on. And I learned then that team chemistry is a very important thing for, for building a championship ball club. Chemistry is up there. They don't talk about it very much, but it's a difference maker, you know. And I played on five minor league championship teams, and only one of those teams, we were the best team in the league, and it was the Medicine Hat Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, we just had the best chemistry. Interesting. Speaking of that final, you were up against Jose Canseco and the Idaho Falls A's. You'd face him a lot during the season. Were there any worries going into that series? You might not be able to pull that one off? No. I felt like we were going to win it from day one. I really did. Uh, we lost our first game, actually, if I remember correctly, against Helena. And uh, we ended up winning two out of the next three. Then I think we rolled off a little streak there. And I, I think we went dang near, uh, besides the first day of the season, once we got in first place, we never left. Mm-hmm. And, and we rolled. And, uh, you know, it was just... Uh, a combination of, of great pitching, uh, defense, uh, we ran, we played an older school style of baseball. Uh, you know, my speed was a big part of my game, and, you know, they let me run, steal bases. We would bunt, hit and run. Uh, Dwayne Larson was our manager. Uh, you know, bless his soul, he passed away here about a year ago. But, you know, Dwayne, uh, 
he taught us how to be professionals too. He did a great job that year, and and he got us squared away, man. And it was a different era. And if we ever got out of line, he got us back in line with some pretty good clubhouse meetings. And uh, I mean, I remember one time a fungo was beat against the. Uh, a shopping cart about 15 times. There wasn't a lot left of the fungo. After he got done with us, we were starting to, you know, play a little lackadaisical. We had a pretty good lead. He could see it slipping a little bit because we had this big lead, and he didn't let it happen. And uh, to this day, you know, a lot of kids would probably freak out uh, with that clubhouse meeting, but it kept us in, it, it kept us going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have played for a guy like that, an old school tough baseball man. And uh, you know, he was a big part of our championship. And uh, man, everybody did everything to win that year. The role players accepted their roles off the bench. JD Yari, guys like that. I remember great teammates. They never, you know, griped or complained about their playing time. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's funny you mentioned the speed aspect because there's in the the newspaper following the final game, there's a couple of pictures of you in that article, one of you hugging Keith and the other of you getting caught in a rundown. Um, was that kind of the motif of the team, though, being a little bit aggressive, pushing the pace a little bit, making sure that they're adjusting to you versus you adjusting to them? You know, I got to admit something. Me getting caught in a rundown, I was, a, I was fat, mm. okay? I could run. But I was a horrible, horrible base runner when I first signed. I had no base running instinct whatsoever. It was probably my biggest, my arm strength hadn't developed yet, and my base running was atrocious. I, I, I literally felt I could outrun the baseball, and that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, I was over-aggressive a lot of times. It was always aggressive base running mistakes. Uh, you know, and and I had to learn how to think on the bases, and I didn't know how to think on the bases back then. And I, I was a reactionary base runner instead of a base runner that prepared for the possibilities that could happen on the bases. When I started thinking like that, I became a much better base runner. It took me a couple of years to get over that, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, we were very aggressive and, and I would say when we made mistakes they were aggressive mistakes so uh, and hey that, and I'm, I'm the same way with my players if you make a mistake make it be aggressive you know over I have no problem with the guy overthrowing the ball to the first baseman but underthrowing the guy I always tell guys nowadays you know don't underthrow a guy let that thing rip let it eat and if you if it's over his head, I can live with that. But don't baby a throw. You know, let it eat. And if you make a mistake, make it be an aggressive mistake. So, you know, I've kind of, uh, a lot of the things I learned that year carried on in my coaching and, and managing career as well. What's really cool about this conversation is we're learning some some actual baseball lessons along the way as well, which is awesome. We spoke about Keith as well, and he put on a clinic on the hill in that final game, complete game. He actually called his shot Prior to the game, he told Mark Girard that the team would be going home on the Sunday, the day after. Like He was pretty confident he was going to win that thing, and he did as much as he possibly could. What do you remember from his complete game performance? Well, I just remember that playing behind Keith 
I probably had some of my best defense. I, I think I made a catch in that game. I made a diving catch in that game, and it was probably the best play I made all year. And uh, the reason being is his, his tempo and the fact that he was always ahead of hitters always kept me alert defensively. You know, I never got on my heels with him on the mound. And I, I just felt like we were not going to lose with him going out there because I believe he was the best starter in the league that year. And I just felt like, hey, it's just a matter of time before we're popping champagne. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm telling you, the confidence that we exuded as a team uh, was, you know, confidence, concentration, and relaxation is what makes a great baseball player. And when he was out on the mound, I experienced all three emotions, you know, because of the way he went about his business. And we played together for multiple years in the Blue Jays organization, and we still speak. Uh, Kelly and I still speak. We reconnected about a year ago, and, uh, you know, this guy's a phenomenal golfer, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get my golf game. You know, he's, I think, a one handicap or even a zero, and I just, I'm trying to get the single digit, but... I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the time when we can play some golf again together. <laughs> I'd imagine he's probably thinking the exact same thing. Another name that you mentioned in there uh, was Dwayne Larson. And I'm curious, what comes to mind when you hear that name? Uh, intensity. He was an intense manager. Uh, uh, he was, as a rookie ball manager... One of the biggest jobs and responsibilities they have is to teach players how to become a professional. And I will never forget the time when some players wore their game hat, maybe in a place that they shouldn't have worn them, like a bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it got, it got back to, you know, that's just something, you know, me growing up in professional baseball, my father spent 50 years in the game. Uh, 19 years in the major leagues, I knew this stuff, you know, but I didn't feel like I, I probably should have told the guys, hey, you shouldn't wear your dead gum hat out to the bar thinking it's going to help you with a chick. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's a bad look, but I, I didn't feel like that was my place. But when that got back to Dwayne, he ripped, he ripped, he, hey, we never had to, let's just put it this way, we never had to worry about wearing our hats out in the bars anymore. So, you know, uh, it was just uh, lessons like that that have to be learned. And Blaine was outstanding at teaching us how to become a professional. And if we got out of the line, he cracked it. He cracked the whip, man. Uh, and, you know, players today don't know if they can handle it or not. You know, but that's just the way it was back then. And we're talking 40 years ago, and it was hard-nosed, and it was tough. And uh, it, there was a lot of discipline involved in the game. And, you know, we had dress codes. We had to wear our uniforms a certain way. We had to wear stirrups and show so much blue on our stirrups, on our pants. Uh, we couldn't wear it low, or we couldn't wear the high stirrups. Uh, you know, there was a lot of discipline involved back then. Uh, honestly, uh, I kind of miss that. I miss that in the game today. And I don't manage a whole lot different than the way Larson or my father managed. And, you know, obviously I have to change some certain things. I mean, 
there, there's a lot, you know, kids have, uh, uh, these days are a lot, I don't, you know, I'm not going to use the word soft. I'm mm-hmm. not going to use that word because that's not uh, accurate. But sensitive, I guess, is a better word. Players are a lot more sensitive these days, and you've got to handle them more with kid gloves. So you've got to walk that, that balance of, of sensitivity and discipline. And it's tough. It's not like it used to be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But Dwayne was old school, tough, hard-nosed, and honestly, that's the way we – you know, you play the game like your manager manages you a lot of times. So any style of play that we were uh, might have been known for, it, it comes from the manager. And so we played tough. We played hard. Uh, we played clean. We weren't a dirty team. But when it came time to break up double plays, which you can't even do in baseball anymore, we broke up double plays. If a catcher was blocking the plate, we'd run him over. And, and I mean, you know, uh, and that's just the way the game was played back then. And honestly, I miss it. <laughs> mm. It's funny you mentioned a lot of the the business side of it. I'm curious about the off-field stuff. Keith was telling me a story about parties on hotel rooftops and almost missing a bus for a road trip. What are some of your favorite off-field stories or maybe some of the fun that you were able to have during your, your time here in Medicine Hat? Well, Kelly was my roommate. And, uh, well, first of all, the bus trip, it was our first bus trip to Idaho Falls, Okay. It's a 16-hour bus trip, and we had the day off. So we got, we had had a really good game that night, and I actually hit my first pro home run the night before we were going to leave the next day. And, and our uh, the curator of the hotel that ran the hotel, uh, she liked me for some reason. I think I reminded her of her son. And she just said, whatever you want at the bar tonight, I'll take care of. And that was a mistake because I wasn't a really big drinker, but I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to get up. I'm going to go out and have some fun tonight. It's on the house. And uh, I took too much of, 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 of I took too much advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I tried every drink that I've never had before that I've heard of. And I weighed about 170 pounds at the time. And uh, the beers in Canada are a lot stronger than they are in Oklahoma. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, uh, I really wasn't prepared to wake up the next morning to catch the bus, and neither were any of my roommates. And I remember our, our general man. I remember Russ, our general manager, beating on my door, saying, "You're missing the bus," and I, I couldn't wake up. I was out. I was out. And, uh, you know, we had a, we played hard on the field, and we played hard off the field at times. Uh, obviously, for a while, my roommate was David Wells, and, and, you know, I had no choice but to play hard off the field, and he was my roommate. So there's actually a chapter, a little uh, piece in his book about medicine. There's a lot of uh, – David Wells talked about medicine hat a lot in his book mm-hmm. that he wrote. And there, there was, you know, a story about me rooming with David Wells. I had to move out because the guy came in at 5 in the morning every day. <laughs> you know, I, I had to get you jumping on the bed, uh, acting like a 7-year-old. And that's just who he was. And I said, Wells, you pitch every five days. I got to play every day. You gotta, I got to get some sleep, man. So finally I moved next door and slept on the floor. 
and and so but that yeah that bus trip was i i i, I remember that 16 hours uh went by pretty quick because i think I, I i slept the whole trip i was sick as a dog <laughs> and i learned my lesson right there and i i toned it down with the with the Labatt's and the, 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 the Canadian beers, are, uh, they, they kick my butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was, a, that, was a, that was the story there. I paid my fine, and uh, I never let it happen again as long as I live the rest of my career. <laughs> All kinds of memories, both on the field and off, to be absolutely certain. When you look back on that time, what did it mean to you, not just in your progression as a ball player, but also in your progression as a human being, as a coach later on, in life in general? Well, you, you know, I, I once again, I go back to the word chemistry and, and the rooftop parties after the games. I mean, we didn't go out a lot. We went on top of the hotel, and we went these gorgeous nights in Canada. I mean, the sun didn't go down until 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, we, we would all, we'd go to the grocery store and get food, and I remember we'd cook these feasts. We'd all cook our favorite thing to cook, and we'd take all the food on the roof, and there were some beers there, and we would just sit out under the stars uh, on the roof of the Silver Buffalo in there, before the train, you know, it was right behind the train station. Mm-hmm. And every morning, or every morning, these trains, these freight trains, would connect. And when these trains connect, uh, the cars, it's it's like a crash. Mm-hmm. And here we go at four in the morning. Every morning, these trains would slam into each other, getting hooked up, and it would wake us up and all that stuff. And it was just part of it, you know. Uh, it, it that might have not have been the greatest. Uh, as far as getting sleep and stuff, uh, but it was all part of it. And the the parties on the roof is where we really became a ball club as far as chemistry. And we just did everything together. And there were no, I never remember any fights. I never remember any controversy on that team. You know, a couple of years later, uh, gosh, it seemed like we were fighting on the bus every other road trip you know mm-hmm. uh but you know that that team was just so close as a team it, it, to this day i think of all the teams i played on you know in every championship team i played on had that characteristic you know that we were just a very very close tight-knit team and and you know a lot of that took place on the roof of the silver buckle in uh after ball games you know mm-hmm. we weren't concerned with uh you know a lot of other things but being a ball club and and we were close and we were a family and uh it was it was wonderful interestingly your career is kind of coming full circle here because you're on the road right now heading to ogden to coach in the pioneer league again you've had a a wonderful pro career as well you actually came up back to edmonton for a game with the trappers according to the stat sheet looking back on those playing days how cool is it to think about how far you've come in the last 40 years? Maybe what are you most proud of? Oh, man. Oh, gosh. It's, there's uh, so much has happened in 40 years. Uh, but I can tell you this, that it, from the time I was born, all I ever wanted to do was be in baseball. It's all I ever wanted to do. I grew up in the game. I was a very fortunate kid. 
to have a father as a major leaguer. Um, you know, he's a World Series champion with the Braves as a coach. He played in the World Series with the Mets, and I grew up through all that. So I was, I was a lucky kid. And and you, you, you know, he's a Jim Beecham. My father was was my influence in the game, and he was not only my influence; he was a lot of players' influence. And and uh, you know, Dwayne Larson was very much like my father. And I think my father uh, was a little bit of a mentor to Dwayne. Uh, he came to my dad's funeral. Uh, he passed away of leukemia about 14 years ago. I miss him every day, but I always feel like he's with me every day. And, you know, the, the thing that I'm proudest of is, is uh, I think, is, is I had thousands of chances to quit and to give up. And I never did. And I never took my first round status uh, uh, for granted. I never did. I never used it as a, you know, I'm a first rounder, I can do what I want. I like to think that I was a dirtbag and a grunt and a guy that would get in the foxhole with guys and go to war. And uh, I, I, I was not, a, I was not uh, a pretty boy, so to speak. Uh, I, I played hard, I wanted my uniform dirty every day. Uh, and through all the injuries that I had in my career, I've had seven surgeries, and I think the, my love for the game never allowed me to quit the game. And I think another thing I'm proud of, uh, extremely proud of, was being the first independent league player uh, in, in the Pioneer League now as an independent league. And I fell in love with independent baseball my first year that I played there, and it, it got me back to a major league organization and in 1993, I was the first independent league position player to ever sign with a major league organization, and I did very well. And I think it helped set up independent baseball as a viable source to find players. And there have been probably seven, 800 players make it to the big leagues through indie ball. And being one of the first ones was a, a, it's almost as big an honor as me being drafted first overall. Very cool. You've spent a lot of time in the game, now coaching. What's it mean to you to be able to give back to the game in that way? You know, that's where I'm at right now in my, in my life. It, it's, all, it's all about giving back to, to younger players. And uh, not only uh, professional players, but in the offseason, I do thousands of, of, of hitting lessons with young kids. And that's, that's my gift back to the game. And, and teaching kids how to play the game the right way. Uh, baseball, in my opinion, has gotten a little sideways with the way they teach the game. It's all technology now, but I'm, I, I'm an old school baseball man, and mm -hmm. I will never change. And I realize technology is a tool, and it's a, uh, it, it's a good tool for the game, but it's, it's not the end all be all. And the one thing that I hate to see in, in professional baseball is a lot of really good baseball men like my father, like Dwayne Larson, like myself, are kind of getting pushed out the door. And there's a spot for them in organizations, and there needs to be a balance uh, between that. So now, you know, my task at hand right now is, is in managing an independent league club is, is giving to these players knowledge and my passion and knowledge and energy for the game that that I had, and, and teach him the lesson, teaching them the lessons that I had. You know, 
I couldn't miss buses the rest of my life and get to the big leagues. You know, I did a, <laughs> the first road trip I ever went on, and it was Gilliam's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I missed, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I never, you know, you learn lessons in, in the game, and then it's your job to teach those same lessons to the young players that you have. I'm sure I'll have a guy miss a bus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, they waited on me, uh, but I don't wait. They've got to get themselves to wherever we're going if they miss the bus. And that's a tough lesson. And I tell them, hey, if you get there on time, you're in the lineup. But if you miss the game, you're going to be you're going to serve a suspension. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's gonna, it, but if, if you can get your butt to wherever we're playing in time for batting practice and you're not late, you won't get fined. That trip there is going to be fine enough for him, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, but my job right now uh, is to recruit and, and, and get guys that want to play uh, in a major league organization. Then it's my job to not allow them to do anything that's going to hurt their chances. And, uh, you know, and if it takes meetings in my office, that's what we'll do. If it takes getting into their wallet, I'll do it. But it's my job to not allow these guys to do anything to hurt themselves in getting to Major League Baseball. And so uh, that's going to be talked about day one, the first meeting we have as a team on May 11th. And that will be a big part of my first uh, talk with my team. And that's probably the most important day you'll ever have as a manager is, is setting the, the framework and the culture for what we're going to do this year as a ball club. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, final question for you here. It's been a wonderful chat. What does the game of baseball mean to you? Everything uh, besides my faith. Uh, it, it's, it's on this earthly uh, realm we're in. Baseball is it for me. Baseball, obviously, my relationship with my kids uh, uh, and my uh, my my wife. Uh, you, you know, those take precedence over baseball, but. Baseball is my life, and it's been my life for 40 years. And I love the game. I respect the game. Uh, and I think I played the game in a way that shows respect to the game, and it's what I ask for my players. So uh, the game of baseball it basically is my life. It's, it's anybody that knows me and they mention my name, I mean, it's, baseball's got to be right there with it. And uh, I think when people think of Cash Beecham, they think of baseball. And that's uh, a pretty good place to be at this stage of my life. Absolutely. Well, Cash, really appreciate the time, really appreciate the, the stories that you've shared with us. Congratulations on all the success you've achieved to this point in your baseball journey. And best of luck in the, in the future as well. Thanks so much for joining us here in the podcast. Well, thank you. And hello to everybody in Medicine Hat that listens to this. Uh, it was a great year. It's a year I'll never forget. And uh, I love y'all. And uh, when you talk to my teammates, tell them I love them. Thanks again to Keith Gillum and Cash Beecham for joining us this week and for sharing their memories of the 1982 Medicine Hat Blue Jays. And again, if you get the chance, head to our website to read the full story, recapping the season plus a game-by-game account of that final series. A quick shout-out again to our Platinum supporters for all they do for baseball in Alberta. The Okotoks Dogs and AHP Academy have been instrumental in helping us tell all of these great stories. Until next time, thank you for all your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.